next car on the train, what what we've been preaching about being in Christ, amen, and in Christ, I call it in Christ realities, I can't think of any stronger foundation for the believer than knowing who you are in Christ, knowing what Jesus has done for you, amen, and uh, so just hooking back on to that. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, we'll, we'll read in verse 2, Hebrews 12, and um, the title this morning is Looking Unto Jesus, the Author and Finisher of Our Faith. One translation actually says, The Perfecter. Of our faith. Sometimes religion has a way of creeping in to our thinking. And uh, we try to create systems. Uh, you, know, you know, creating systems is sort of opposite of faith. And uh, creating uh, sort of a legalism. We think of legalism as being, you know, just talking about rules and dress codes and life life decisions and things like that. And there can certainly be a legalism there. We've all, all experienced that maybe in one way or another. But then there's also a legalism when it comes to taking faith. You can take faith out of prayer. And it becomes such a system, you know, that uh, there's... There's, there's, there's no longer any belief to it. I know, I know of the people that say they'll give their healing testimony, for example. Even that can be taken out of, out of faith and put into a system. They'll give their healing testimony. And they'll tell you, now these are the three things the Lord told me to do to, 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 to get my healing manifested. You ever heard something like that? And they'll, they'll tell you their healing testimony... Before you know it, you've made a doctrine out of that. You know, and you know, I've heard people say, "Well, the Lord told me to get up at midnight and uh, you know run around the bed and shout for joy." So if you're not watch, watch it, you'll start the first church of the get out of bed at midnight and run around the bed for joy Christian center. Seriously, you know, or some some other thing. Somebody says, well, they pray in tongues, you know, so many hours a day. Before you know it, they've got you signed up for that in a way that's sort of legalistic. And so it's the same way with our faith. If we're not careful, we'll try to be the perfecter of our faith. And um, our glorious faith movement, amen, which we're uh, a part of and had been a part of, uh, we had, you know, every every movement creates its own what do you call religion that goes along with it? Something starts out in faith, starts out believing, and before you know it, you've got a system going. And then everybody's judged by how well they do in the system. And in the faith movement, boy, did we ever create some systems, I tell you what. I mean, we, we, we took systems to an art form. And so uh, there, there is a truth to Bible confession, isn't there? There is a truth to that. Amen? Jesus said, not some preacher you don't want to compete Jesus said that you have what you say. I believe that, we have, that everything we say should line up with the Word of God. Amen? It should agree with the Word. Why have God call and give less and, and, and then we go around cursing ourselves? So there's a great truth in confession. But, I'm just using that as an example, it can also become a religion. That if you just, you know, you kind of just, maybe an aggravation, say something. And before you know it, you know you're spending 30 minutes trying to repent of that. You're in fear that what you said is going to come to pass. And, you know, you're calling Sister Ledbetter on the phone to get her to agree. And, you know, you've made a religion out of that thing. So, uh... You, 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 you lose the heart of it. Well, here uh, in, in Hebrews 12.2, we see something else about faith. So if we're not careful through confession, through our own actions, we try to perfect our faith. 
We know that God starts us out in faith, doesn't He? The Bible says in Ephesians 2.8 that the grace, we're saved by grace through faith. And then some translations say the grace and the faith are a gift of God. Amen? So we know, and the Bible says, as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we know that faith is dealt to us. Amen. It's given to us. It's a God-given thing, faith, that enables us to believe. When we hear the gospel for the first time and we understand salvation, we have faith to believe. It's a gift of God. Aren't you glad for that? And then we sometimes have the tendency, just through human, you know, tendencies, to say, okay, Lord, I'll take it from here. Thanks for starting me out. I can, uh, you just, you watch, Lord, how I will impress you in the few days with my great day. You know, we get all sort of religious about it, don't we? I'll tell you. I will show the Lord things he's never imagined, you know. And uh, we get all carried away. I, I get a bit dramatic, but I think it's interesting. Hebrew, thank you. Hebrews 12.2 Looking unto Jesus. Unto who? Ourselves? Looking unto ourselves. Looking unto Jesus. The author, but, but uh, we're going to be the completer, right? No, He's going to start it and He's going to finish it. The author and the finisher of our faith. Or the perfecter. I like that even better. Of our faith. The one that's going to perfect it. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Well, you can perfect your faith if you want to endure the cross. Go ahead. We have one here some of you might fit up on. Praise the Lord. We could just nail you up there and hang you for a few days. See how you do. And then you might qualify to be a faith perfecter. Only Jesus qualifies. Hallelujah. Thank you. We're going to preach Jesus here. We're going to preach the cross here. And the blessings. Amen. That come through that. Anytime you get very far from Jesus and His shed blood, you're, you're getting out there in la-la land. Amen. Because, folks, it's all about Jesus. Our salvation. Now, that doesn't mean there's not a study of the Holy Spirit. There's not, that doesn't mean there's not a study of the Father. Amen. But for us, our covenant is sealed and given through Christ. Our connection to God. Jesus told us, no man comes to the Father but by me. Somebody says, well, we've got some folks that live up the street and they're, you know, of a different religion, a different group. And... uh they're, you know, they're, they're good moral people. Well, they might be. But that doesn't mean that they're saved. That doesn't mean that they go to heaven. Now, when they die, I'll tell you something. Preaching that there is only one name given whereby we can be saved is considered hate speech in our culture. I don't know if you realize that. In other countries, they're already arresting ministers for saying just what I said today. Isn't that something? We've got elements here in our own culture that would agree with that. To say, well, preaching Jesus is the only way. I sat down on a plane one time by a lady from Boca Raton, praise the Lord. And she, uh, she said to me, you know, what do you do? And I told her I'm a, an evangelist. And she said, oh, you're not one of those people that preach Jesus is the only way to heaven, are you? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, that's exactly the kind I am. That's what I said to her. Well, she didn't want to talk to me for a while till after we were airborne. Then she turned and said, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be hateful, but you know, that's just, I have a problem with that. And she said, my mother was, a, you know, of a certain religion and is the nicest person ever and brought chicken soup to everybody and blah, blah, blah. 
And she says, it's just hard for me to believe that she died and went to hell. And I said, well, I don't know where she went. I don't know her or anything about her. But I'll tell you this. She says, well, why do you preach that? I said, well, now think about it. I said, if I'm going to be a follower of Christ, I would sort of kind of need to believe what he said. What do you think? She says, well, you got a point there. I said, well, if it was just left up to me, I might just say, well, everybody nice can get in. But it's not left up to me. I didn't write the Bible. Amen. I'm not God. I can't. We can't just change the Bible at a whim because it's suddenly parts of it are unpopular. I didn't mean to get off on this so heavy, but it's all right anyway, isn't it? Well, now think about it. We about everybody in this room would fight you over Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only way to God. But how about Jesus is the only way to faith? Jesus is the only way to healing. Jesus is the only way to blessing. We need to let Him be this to us. Amen? Look unto Him, the author and finisher of our faith. Have you ever had a day when your faith seemed weak? We've all been there. We've had a day when our faith... Even faith that we're saved. Have you ever acted so ugly and awful that you wondered about yourself? Have you ever gotten so angry at somebody or something or situation that you wondered, boy, I acted really ugly, didn't I? I said really hateful things. I wonder if I'm even saved. Have you ever wondered that? Well, if you look at yourself, you about lose your salvation in your heart. Knowing what you believe, Amen. We don't look to ourselves to know if we're saved. We look to Him. Have you ever wavered in your faith on your healing? Anybody here ever stood in faith for healing? And boy, when the pain hits, or the doctor's report isn't good, or whatever, or something you go through, it's easy to waver, isn't it? It's easy to feel like, well, maybe He did. He bore everybody's pain but mine, apparently. If you look to yourself, you look to your body, you look to your symptom, even look to your doctor's report, you'll begin to waver in your faith. But praise God, if we look unto Jesus, that's why this verse is there like that. Look unto Him. He started my faith and He'll finish it. I rest in Him. Like an attorney that says, after presenting all the evidence for his side, whether he's the prosecutor or the defense, he'll say, I rest my case. What's he resting his case on? The facts that were presented. The jury gets instruction. You can't go by what seems like or you suppose. You have to go by the facts. You have to make your decision based on the facts. Is this helping anybody today? Amen. We base our decision on salvation, on the facts. Did Jesus come? Did He live? Did He die? Was He crucified? Did He bleed? Amen. If it, and it, Was He raised from the dead? Is He alive? Does He sit at the right hand of the Father? Does He care about me? Does He care about you? See... This is what you have to base your faith on. All that. And then your faith will soar. Amen? He is the author and finisher. Why don't you let Him be? If you haven't. Amen? Now it says here, where is He, where is he at right now? Is He still on the cross? No. Is He still in the tomb? No. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's a place of authority, isn't it? Where are we seated? Remember that? We read that in Ephesians. We're seated there too. In heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. For consider yourself that's endured such suffering. Is that what it says? Consider Him. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. How many know that's exactly what will happen to you? If you stop considering Jesus and you start considering your circumstances 
and you start considering your problems, you'll grow weary and fake in your mind. You ever been there? I said, you ever been there? We've all been there. So if you find yourself becoming weary and faint in your mind, it's probably because you've stopped considering Him. You getting anything out of this? Now turn to Colossians 2. I think there's a lot here, praise the Lord. Boy, it's easy to forget, isn't it? It's easy to remember on Sunday morning when the preacher's up yelling at you and stomping on the platform. But come Tuesday afternoon, (laughs) amen, there's not anybody like Devin to lead you into the higher levels of praise. (laughs) We don't have Brother Pace to preach to us about prayer. don't have Brother David, amen. Hallelujah. You just, you and your stuff that you're dealing with. We all got stuff. We'll say, Pastor, what's some of yours? You don't even want to know. One preacher said, you don't ever share any of your problems. And a guy said, well, that's because they're as boring as yours. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Don't want to hear anybody's problems. We all got problems. And uh, we're all subject to the attacks on our lives. But praise God, we come here to talk about Jesus. We come here to talk about Him, what He's done, what He's doing. Amen. Paul talked about the mutual faith, us blessing one another with our mutual faith. Glory to God. And we encourage each other with that. I'm encouraged to encourage myself. (laughs) Colossians 2, 9. We're talking about being in Him and having Him start and end everything. Let Him start your healing and end it. Let Him start your family restoration and end it. It was so easy for us to try to get involved, isn't it? I will tell you that most of the time when I'm in a, what I call a faith project, you know, something I'm believing God for, where is faith? Where does faith shine? In the unseen realm. We look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are un- in the unseen realm. In the, in the prayer is an unseen realm. Faith is an unseen realm. God's grace and blessing and benefit flowing to you, you sometimes don't see it. How many know that just because you can't see things happening, it doesn't mean they're not? God does a lot of stuff in the background. Things are being prepared, I believe, sometimes years before that you actually experience it in a natural realm. Because then, when it all falls together, you go, oh, so that's what that was. That's the reason that thing didn't work out and this one did. There's a level of trusting God that we have yet to walk in, I believe. When I say stuff like that, I'm usually talking about me, so don't take it personal. Because I'm the pastor, me becomes we. <laughs> right? We're all, in this, we're all on the same planet, breathing the same air. We go through the same things. But I'll tell you what, you know, sometimes it seems like that we're just uh, we're wondering, well, what's God doing? I don't see anything. I don't see any change. Has that ever driven you up the wall? Have you ever prayed for something and you just, you had such a, 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 an, er, a, a an utterance in prayer. You had such a, a, a flow in prayer, such a, a sense of, Wow, I really touched the throne. How many know what I mean? You know, there's, we believe God hears us always when we pray, whether he, we feel anything or not. But isn't it great when you know that you broke through? You know you connected 
you know, you almost feel like when you opened your eyes, you could see God's hand holding on to you. You ever been there? And you're just sure that in the next five minutes, everything's going to change. And then the next day is, well, I really got a hold of God yesterday. And then that comes two days ago and three days ago, and it's still the same. I tell you, I think that's almost worse than, I mean, nothing happening is almost worse than, you know, anything. And you just bump along and you think, well, maybe I'm not having a, I thought I had a breakthrough and then I didn't. You ever been there? And this is this kind of thing that we're looking at today helps us. Praise God. Helps me anyway. To say, hey, it doesn't matter. We're dealing in the unseen realm. We're dealing God's moving. Now, I've always said it takes just as much breath to say God's moving as nothing's happening. In fact, there... It's easier to say God's moving. It's easy. It's just as easy to say the Word is working as it's not working. So often I was like, you know, this isn't working. The Word's not working. God's not moving. Well, keep. should I agree with you? Praise the Lord. and Make sure it comes to pass just like that. No, let's start agreeing and saying it is working. It doesn't look like it, Brother David. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't seem like it. I can't put my finger on anything that's changed. But in the spirit realm, things are changing. In the spirit realm, God is moving. What's our job to do? Just to stand still and see the glory of God. Anyway, we would be tempted to blame it on our amazing faith and prayer and take the credit and glory for it anyway. Don't everybody shout at once on that. Stop looking at your neighbor and judging them. Well, where are we going to get all this good stuff? Well, there's only one, one, one stop shopping for the things of God, and it's Christ. Colossians 2, 9, and you are complete in Him. Somebody said, well, don't, you know, they put a bumper sticker on the car. Be patient. God's not finished with me yet. Well, get saved and he will be. Hallelujah. In other words, Jesus is the completeness. The finishing is not God working on you. He can't work on you and won't work on you without going through Christ. I said this and wrote it down. Jesus is God's expression of love towards man. All the blessings are in Him, yea and amen. The more we know about what we have in Him, the stronger we'll be. You are complete in Him. You're never complete outside of Him. And if you try to be complete outside of Him, what you'll do is create a religion that competes with Him. You are complete in Him. Now look at verse 9. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Him. You are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Amen. We're complete in Him. Now look at Hebrews 8. And we're going to see... How many know that God is a God of um, covenant? Everything He's ever done has been by covenant. His covenant with Abraham. We have the old covenant and the new covenant. But look at look at this. So the more you know about the covenant, that's why you hear me say that a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm appreciating Pastor Bob teaching on the blood covenant on Wednesday nights. Amen. The more we know about covenants. and See, in our Western culture, covenants don't mean a lot to us. Because we don't understand them 
you almost have to look at the Bible sometimes with an Eastern mind, with an Eastern understanding. So we look at the covenants that God has for us. That's where everything comes from. You have a need, check the covenant and see if it's in it. Glory to God. Now somebody said, well, the problem with this faith business, I know all the arguments. Heard them recited eloquently. The people say, well, the problem with this faith business is what's to keep somebody from believing God for something that's outside of God's will for them to have, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I've said, well, the problem is faith begins where the will of God is known. And where do you find the will of God? In the covenant. If it's outside the covenant, you can't believe God for somebody else's wife. You can't believe God, you know, for somebody else's money. You get, you know, if you're not careful, you try to apply faith to covetousness. Well, that God's not going to be in that. That's not Bible faith. That's not faith. I don't know what that is. It's, it's just stupid. <laughs> but, you know, folks who bring that up, well, some of you faith preachers preach, you know, you just think you believe God for anything. Well, anything that's in His will and anything that's in the covenant. If it's outside the covenant, you're out there in la-la land. Amen. So don't blame that on faith and confession. Praise the Lord. Some folks, you know, some people are just hard-headed. You teach them and tell them and try to show them, you know, a benefit of something, and they're going to bring up every argument. You stand in the church and declare healing, they're going to bring up Job's boils, Paul's thorns. Paul left Trophimus at Miletum sick. They're standing on the sick scriptures. Praise the Lord. <laughs> or somebody, somebody, you know, finally turns their life back around to the Lord. They haven't been serving God. They haven't been walking in the things of the Lord. You know, and they, they, they have a change of heart. And they turn around and, and instead, of, instead of preaching to them about God's mercy and forgiveness and grace, they start bringing up all the condemnation and send them the hell verses. Well, that really helps a guy trying to turn things around, doesn't it? You know, we need to rightly divide the word of truth. Know when to use scriptures. Somebody feeling condemned certainly doesn't need a bunch of condemnation verses. They're already condemned. They're already thinking razor blades. And here you just added to it. You see what I'm saying? Praise God. We need to use the word to encourage people. Lift them up. Help them. How many believe our God is a God of help? It'd be nice if the church could be a place of help. Let's bring that back. There's a revival. All right. Hebrews 8.8. 8. Now, he's talking about this new covenant. So, everything. And who, who is... Who is... Or what is... What or who is the connector of our new covenant. It's Jesus. Everything's through Him. He says, for finding fault with them, He's talking about the old covenant. Finding fault with them. What's them? The old covenant. Finding fault with them, He saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. That actually means a new cut. It's not make in the sense of create something that's never been. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to cause a new cut to come. I make a new covenant or, or, or uh, activate a new covenant would be another way to put it. With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Praise God. Not according... Now, see, there are folks today, and I won't get heavy into this because it comes off wrong. And I can tell you right now, there's nothing within me that's anti-Semitic. So don't go there, what I'm about to say. But, you know, we've got elements in the teaching today that are trying to 
let the whole nation of Israel in, so to speak, based on the Old Covenant. But here you have a problem with these verses. Now, I guess if you want to get an exacto knife and cut this part out, fine. But please leave my Bible alone. Amen? So it says here, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I wonder if that could be talking about the Jews at all. Just wondering. In the book of Hebrews. What do you think? Oh, surely not. Not according to the covenant (laughs) that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Not according to that one. Because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After the So there's not one covenant today for the Jews and another one for the Christians. There's only one for all people. I said there's only one for all people. And somebody say, well, that's anti-Jewish. No, it's not. Because Paul said that I'm sent to the Jew first and then the Gentiles. The message was for the Jews. Glory to God. Jesus came for them. (laughs) How can that be mean? How can that be hate speech? How can that be anti-Semitic? That's ridiculous. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And then look at, jump down at verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Why? Because in that, he says, a new covenant he hath made the first old, or antiquated, passed away. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. And then he goes into chapter 9 talking about more. What does that tell you, folks? Everything we have in God is through Christ. So it would behoove you. Don't you love that word, behoove? It would behoove us. We should use behoove. It would behoove us and help us. These are words you only hear at church. Behoove. Some churches it's more like behave. But we're going to behoove here. And hopefully it affects our behave by behooving. (laughs) Your behooving will help your behaving. There's a message. Praise God. We're going to... It would behoove us all to then know who we are in Christ. That's my big point. That's my whole message. Who are we in Christ What do we have in Him? What did He bring? He took everything that we were so that we could become what He is now. Well, what is He? It might might be good to know what He is. What He's done. Did He leave any part out? Well, this little cruddy part of my life, He obviously left out because of what I'm going through. And the minute you preach like this, you know, somebody wants to come at the end and say, you just don't know what I'm going through. And I've often said, well, I have this sneaky feeling. I'm not going to be ignorant long. You're about to fill me in. Praise the Lord. I'm going to know what you're going through. Well, we care what you're going through. Don't get me wrong. Amen. It's, it's important that we share one another's burdens and we, and we care. Hallelujah. We weep with those that weep. We rejoice with those that rejoice. But you know what? The answer is always the same. After the recitation of the problem, amen, after going through what all has been suffered, after going through what all the problems are, 
The answer is always the same. It never changes. Jesus is the answer. Christ is the answer. Amen. Everything horrible that we've experienced and are experiencing, He already bore it. God knew it before. He's not slack or lack. God's not our problem. God's not running behind us trying to keep up. Hallelujah. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. These are like cliches. But there's a reason that something is a cliche. Sometimes it's such a good thing it got got overused and it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. But if we went and examined them, some of them are pretty good. They're not all good, but some of them are pretty good. He does make a way where there seems to be no way. They put the disciples in the jail and they're singing at midnight. I guess they forgot to gag them. Boy, if you can sing in a Roman jail, shackled to the floor and to the wall, that shows you you got something on the inside. Amen? And you don't know if you're going to be sent off to Rome to be part of the show. It doesn't end well for the performers. Or you don't know if you're going to be crucified or you're going to be whipped and wish you were crucified. You don't know. But I'll tell you what, you're, you're there and everything in, that you can see and feel is uncertain. But on the inside, they can't take it out. Hallelujah. They're, on the, they, they're singing praises. And at midnight, they're singing praises unto the Lord. And it says the other prisoners heard them. So they're singing something loud. They're probably singing, I'm so glad Jesus set me free. Or something like that. Only a, a Hebrew version of it. So a lot of minor chords and things. But anyway, they're singing this song. They're singing something. Don't you wish you knew the song they sang? But they're singing about being delivered. They're singing about being set free, I believe. And it says the, 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 the prison, there was an earthquake. The prison shook. Their shackles fell off. This is New Testament. This is the same church age we live in. We ought to start having faith for better miracles. How many of you ever been in a situation where you needed a real miracle? You know, maybe that's where you are today. We should just end this meeting with miracles. I'm telling you what, I was praying for our church this weekend and for today. And I said, Lord, I ask you for a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our church. Amen. The gifts of the Spirit, I'm going to declare it, are going to flow freely in this place. People are going to hear about what's happening here and overflood the place. Glory to God. Can you say amen? For we don't have room to contain them. That's what I'm believing. Glory to God. And we got not enough chairs. And we have to ask the regular members to stand. How many would be willing to stand to see your chair filled? Amen. With new folks seeking God. Well, we can do all kinds of stuff in the flesh to try to get up a group. Be honest with you, some of those things are less than satisfactory believe we can do everything we can. I believe in marketing and all that. But on the same hand, there's no greater marketing than word of mouth that something's happening. Sheree and I used to see in the early days of the faith movement, Brother Bob can testify to this. He was there. Some of the others maybe. But they used to have, we used to have word meetings. It wasn't just because of the good teaching. It was because of the move of the Spirit. You never knew what was going to happen. You never knew what was going to happen in the meeting. But it's going to be good. God's going to do something. There's going to be prophecy. There's going to be miracles. People are going to get words. Folks are called to the mission field. Things happen. Healings manifesting. Tumors disappearing. Eyeballs popping open. Good stuff. 
blessing things. Amen? And it wasn't fanaticism. And it wasn't emotionalism. Amen? It's a move of the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry. I'm a move of the Holy Ghost guy. Shouldn't apologize for that, should I? Hallelujah. So I don't know how to do seeker sensitive. I don't know how to do it. I'm just too old school for that. But I'll tell you what I can do is I can I can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I'm praying you pray for me. Say, Lord, make our pastor more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We hear from God. No matter what the program is, we can ditch it at any minute. Amen. Let God interrupt our proceedings. Glory to God. I'm hungry. I'm getting a hunger back that I think about lost, you know. But I'm hungry for a fresh move of the Spirit. I'm hungry for a fresh wind of anointing. I'm hungry, amen, for something beyond just this material life. Aren't you? Amen. And I'll tell you what we what I started to say. We've been there. Cherie and I, Pastor Bob, others. We've seen folks lined up in front of a church building with the doors locked, haven't opened them yet, stand out in snow and ice, singing for hours, waiting for the doors to be unlocked because they wanted to make sure they got a good seat. Isn't that exciting when God moves like that? You know, we can put our faith out for things like that. We can pray for that. We can say, Lord, listen, Tampa Bay is like number two worst church attendance in the nation for a metropolitan area, something like that. Yet, I don't sense, it's not like there's an antichrist spirit here. It's not like there's an anti-God. You know, it isn't like being in Portland or somewhere. Oregon. And, uh, you know, it's not like that. It isn't like, you know, don't say his name. It's just folks are busy. It's like, and in, and in some cases you think, well, there's not a whole lot happening. You wonder what do we have to attract them. But I'll tell you what, we've got the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelling in Christ. And I believe that God is not a respecter of previous generations. And I don't believe that He's finished pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. I didn't mean to go here, but here we are. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's pray and believe God for a move of God in not just our church, but every church. Let's believe for a move of God. Wouldn't it be great if, if people were saying, we're going to Tampa, there's something happening. We're going to St. Pete. We're going to the Tampa Bay area. We're going to Central Florida. God's moving. The Spirit, what you got? You got something. Come. He sends out these signals that He doesn't intend to, but they come. Come. What you got? You got a word about this. You know, You know. He's a prophet. We got an in-house prophet. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. You know, there's a special spirit here today. I could tell yeah. it in the praise and worship when you were leading the singing today. There was something special here. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me the other day and said, when the church, the general church in America, is ready to receive my cutting-edge word, yeah. then I will give revival. We have to be willing to surrender and give up a feel-good word for what God has to say to this generation. And when that happens, we're going to see true move of God in our worship services. And you know, Pastor, you were, you were telling me in Brother Hagen's last years, you talked about the, the faith movement a number of times this morning. You said he was looking for the next move of God. When he died, he was still looking for the next move of God. 
And I don't think we've seen it, but I do think for the church that lives in humility and prayer and is willing to hear what God has to say to this generation, that's where the glory cloud is going to rest and we're going to see miracles without even asking for miracles. Healings without even asking for healings. Transformation in lives when we're not even asking. We'll just walk into the glory of God and things will change because the Spirit of God is so thick you could cut it with a knife. So that's the word I had today. Say, God, speak through our pastor. Give him the word we need to hear, whether I like it or not. Speak through him and wake him up at night, giving him the word of God. And I want to hear what thus says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to receive the communion. I think I finished about everything here. Um, Oh, yeah, look, look, wait, one more thing. God, and then I'm going to show you something you can do to release your faith today. God deals with us. I really basically said this, but I wanted to make it more succinct. God deals with us only through Christ. You know, if you think you're going to get a side deal, there are no side deals. God only deals through the covenant with Christ, too. There are no side deals. Amen. If you can't find it in the covenant, you know, you're kind of you're out there somewhere. God help you. Alright. When Jesus, I want to say this, when Jesus was dying on the cross, God saw us, our sin, on the cross. But now that we have become sons of God by faith, He sees us only in Christ. Isn't that something? So He no longer looks at you through the eyes of sin. He no longer looks at you through sin or a veil of sin or a a blotch upon you, a pox upon thee. (laughs) He doesn't see that. He sees you in Christ. Our life is, is wrapped and hid in Him. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. That that'll that'll put a spring in your step. Doesn't it? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Turn. We're going to take communion and uh, receive communion. And uh, in fact, we can we can go ahead, come, and, and uh, we'll uh, we'll prepare uh, Devin and uh, and those who are serving today. You can be prepared. If you'll look at First uh, Corinthians. And I'll get prepared to read this and take communion. There's no, I usually read it twice, but there's no need to. We can read it just once. So you can go ahead and come and serve the elements while I speak and praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, communion time. Thank you. Communion time is a time that we can use to release our faith for a miracle. This is, these are the elements of covenant. Praise God. These represent the elements of covenant. Amen. It's because that Jesus' body was broken. It's because that He shed His blood that we've entered into this covenant agreement with God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so everything you need today is through these elements, through the covenant. We don't have faith in the wafer and the juice, but we do have faith in what it represents. Amen? We don't believe this changes into something. No, it's just a, it's just a token. It's an element. But praise God, as we do it, Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me. Do this to remember that I died for you. Do this to remember that I shed my blood for you and I allowed myself to to be broken for you because of love. Hallelujah. So everything you need today, if you need forgiveness of sin, here, praise the Lord. Receive that forgiveness and, 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 and accept His love and mercy to you. If you need healing today, receive your healing 
as you take this. Amen. If you need a miracle, a touch of God in your life, a divine intervention into your affairs, uh, into your finances, everything, receive His covenant provision today in Jesus' name. Amen. And we'll wait for everyone to be served. Then I'll read the Scripture and we will partake of the communion. Do this with an attitude of worship. Amen. A heart of love towards the Lord and gratitude. Amen. How many is grateful for the cross? Grateful for His shed blood? Grateful for God's plan? I'm grateful, aren't you? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We'll receive the communion and then we'll sing a song of praise about it. All right, I'll read now. For First uh, Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, and we do thank you, Lord, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Amen. Receive the, the bread. Amen. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. And we'll take the cup now. For as often as you do eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. Hallelujah. Let's sing. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power, for it reaches to the highest mountains, and it flows to the lowest the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power it's too 